kids. It's 12.09. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. We are broadcasting live from the lakefront. It is day two of Summerfest 2018. James Taylor and his all-star band performing at the amphitheater tonight. Let me tell you something. This is a Chamber of Commerce day. This is one of those days that if you live in southeastern Wisconsin, you wait all year for. The weather is absolutely perfect. Our 620 WTMJ mobile studio right next to the Gruber Law Office's sports zone overlooks the lake. It is just absolutely spectacular. There's a nice breeze. If you're looking for an excuse to play hooky, Call in sick or call in well. This is the time. Come on down. I'll be broadcasting here till 3 o'clock this afternoon. A lot of fun. Just an absolutely tremendous day. Lots of people on the grounds already, but not uncomfortably crowded. So come on down and enjoy yourself. This is a big day in Wisconsin history. You have the President of the United States who spent the night here at the Pfister Hotel. He is now on en route to Mount Pleasant, where they're going to have the groundbreaking at Foxconn, followed by a speech that he's going to be giving. We're going to be dipping into the groundbreaking coverage. That's supposed to happen in about 10 or 15 minutes. And then um, the president is supposed to give a speech, as we always do here on WTMJ, when the president of the United States, doesn't matter who the president of the United States is, when the president of the United States is in southeastern Wisconsin, we carry that address. And so we'll be carrying, just like we carried Barack Obama's speeches when he he was here just like we carried George Bush's speeches when he was here. We will be carrying President Trump's remarks uh, probably in their entirety when he gives those. So we're going to be dipping in and out. In addition, I'm very excited about this because it's incredibly timely. This afternoon, 2.35, we're going to be joined by United States Senator Ron Johnson, the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin. Now, Senator Johnson's a personal friend of mine. He's also a friend of the program. But today's interview is particularly timely because of the big announcement yesterday. Um, Judge Justice Kennedy, Anthony Kennedy from the United States Supreme Court, announced that he was going to be stepping down. He would be retiring. He was a Reagan appointee. He is retiring now that this term is over. This is significant because it means President Trump will have the opportunity to now appoint the replacement for Justice Kennedy. Justice Kennedy um, has a lengthy and distinguished career. He was a conservative justice, but he had a distinctly libertarian streak, which is why he was oftentimes referred to as the, the swing vote. Right now, you've got four people who are ideologically on the left on the Supreme Court. You've got four people who are pretty much consistently on the right. Justice Kennedy voted with the conservative bloc on most occasions, but every once in a while, he would vote with the liberal bloc, um, again, typically on libertarian sort of issues. He was the person who authored the opinion on uh, uh, saying that you know gay marriage Blocking gay marriage was unconstitutional. So on issues like that, he was also one of the justices who voted, uh, again, not to overturn Roe versus Wade. So uh, I think that came from, again, his libertarian streak. So he will be replaced. And the significance is, of course, that members of the Supreme Court serve lifetime appointments. They get to stay as long as they want. And so um, if President Trump follows patterns and appoints somebody who's in their 40s or early 50s, which I think he probably will, that means you're going to have a solid conservative vote on the Supreme Court for the next several decades, which is why a lot of people on the left are, are going absolutely crazy about this. Also, the other thing that's going on is, of course, you have the midterm elections coming up in November. Right now, the U.S. Senate, and it's the U.S. Senate that's going to be confirming whoever President Trump nominates. Right now, the U.S. Senate, 51 Republicans, 49 Democrats. This is why losing that seat, the Republicans losing that seat in Alabama, for example, really hurts them. And, of course, Senator John McCain hasn't been in the U.S. Senate for a long time because, I mean, he's battling his own form of cancer. So there's really no votes to lose. In addition, with the midterms coming up in November, um, some people, if you don't get this voted on in November, there will be another lame duck session. But you know, who knows what's going to happen? There's going to be incredible, incredible pressure to get this justice confirmed before November. And, of course, this all comes on the backdrop 
of of people running for re-election or running for office. So it's an incredibly interesting time, and I very much am looking forward to talking to Senator Johnson about what what the future is for this appointment, who he anticipates, if he has any uh, inside knowledge as to who's going to be appointed, and most importantly, what he thinks the timetable is. So that is all coming up. Tell you what, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I, I have a very simple question. There is something that happened in downtown Milwaukee today, and I have a very simple question for the mayor and the new police chief, and that question is, why the heck... Fill in the blank. Why did the heck did you why the heck did you allow this to go on? We'll discuss that in just a moment. It's twelve fifteen. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Twelve eighteen, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest twenty eighteen. We're at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone from our WTMJ mobile studio. That is Bonnie Rach. She is going to be um, opening for James Taylor tonight. So stop down and check it out. As I was saying a minute ago, it is a picture perfect day. This is this is the Chamber of Commerce Day. All right, a lot of stuff going on in the area. President Trump came into Milwaukee late last evening, spent the night at the Fister Hotel, had a fun fundraiser earlier today and is now heading down to Foxconn. Oh, that's all fine, well and good. Well, here's where I think this gets interesting. If you were following, I don't know, traffic reports today, it has been a mess on the roadway. You have apparently pavement buckling on I-43 northbound around Hampton. And down here in the immediate Milwaukee area, you had traffic which was disrupted for a period of time this morning by protesters the usual suspects who showed up outside the Fister Hotel. Now, they couldn't get that close to the Fister Hotel, so they were marching around, all right, which is all well and good. And instead of simply deciding to stay on the sidewalks, what they decided to do was some of the same tactics that we've seen used over the last couple years when it's come to other sort of protests, they decided to take to these streets liberally, literally take to the streets. Um, For about 30 minutes, you had a freeway off-ramp that was blocked to the point that cars could not move through the intersection. You had at least one person abandon their car on the freeway off-ramp. You had the police backing cars up, going in reverse, getting off the freeway off-ramp to get back on the freeway, I guess, because they allowed people to block the um, intersection. You had this happen in other places as well. For example, I'm looking at the Today's TMJ TV report. They quote... um, Milwaukee Teachers Education Association Vice President. Okay, this is really, this is the lesson for young kids. Amy Whatever, speaking to CNN while sitting on the street in the east side of downtown Milwaukee, blocks from the Fister. I want people to fight for my family. It's that simple. Okay, so they're there protesting. I got no problem with that. But they decided that they were going to go and block streets, including freeway off-ramps, and for at least about a half hour or so, Milwaukee police on bicycle stood there and watched them do it without arresting them. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let, let's be real clear here. What, what's, what's going on? I've been talking to people about this all day, and the, the common reaction is, well, it's fine. If you want to protest, you know, you start off in Zeidler Park, and that's great. And if you want to march on the sidewalks, that's great. But why in the world... Would we allow a bunch of ragtag protesters to block traffic, close intersections, and sit in the middle of the street? You could, I guarantee you, if you tried to do that in downtown Milwaukee, well, you'd be arrested within a couple minutes and you'd be moved, you'd be told to move. If you didn't move, you would be arrested. If I tried to do it, I would probably not even be told to move. I'd probably be arrested. And yet we allowed this to happen. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I don't care where you are on the immigration issue or how you feel about President Trump. That's not this. This, when did we decide to turn, uh, essentially allow the protesters to run procedures. And i got to tell you something. I, I mean, I left way early today to come down here from the station because I didn't want to get caught up in this, and it was all happening a little bit further to the west of the route I came in. But, I mean, they're, they're sitting in the intersection blocking a freeway off-ramp for the better part of 30 minutes. Where does this come from? You arrest them. Excuse me, you're not going to be allowed to do this. You're going to have to move. If you don't move, all right, let's get people out there. Let's put people in handcuffs or whatever, and let's haul them off to jail. 414-799-1620. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. My, my, my comment is that these guys should be arrested and taken off the streets. They shouldn't be blocking the streets. If they want to protest, fine. But then yeah. where's the media Where's the media coverage for, you know, people cheering on Foxconn and Trump being here? There's no coverage of that. I'm sure there's some people that are happy about that. Yeah, well, again, right. I mean, you're right. This is It's all a media stunt. They show up, they block the streets because they know that all the different local TV stations are going to run down with my, you know, camera crews and the camera crews and they're going to end up getting on TV and they don't care about inconveniencing anybody else. This is the selfish act of a bunch of self-righteous people. Again, if you want to stage a protest, I don't, I don't have a problem. But you know what? It's interesting to me, Mike. I mean, they are stopping people who actually have real jobs from getting to work or making their real jobs very difficult to, to do what they're doing. You almost want to say to these people, get a job for goodness sakes and get yourself out of the street. Don't be blocking traffic. Well, my, my thanks for, get yeah. a job and get a job and go up north. And <laughs> thanks for what well, no, just or just get a job. Who who I mean seriously, let's think about the, the bigger picture here. I mean, what are most people doing at nine thirty on a you know a Thursday morning? Well, okay, you're you're working, you're doing something constructive, you've got a job, you're not sitting in an intersection blocking a freeway off ramp. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Mary Angela from Wauwatosa, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey Jeff, how are you? Thanks for taking Yes, ma'am. As a forest, I'm just trying to out here deliver flowers to make people's day happy. We have wonderful President Trump. Thank you very much. Um, and then we have Summerfest. I'm trying to get down to Summerfest. And then I'm stuck on this freeway ramp with these yahoos. Now, what would have happened to me if I would have hit one of these folks? You know, well, well, right. It- yeah, no, you're right, and you're you're out. You're trying to make a living. You are trying to do your job, and, and again, it's it's it is this 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 lack of courtesy. This idea that we're superior, we can do this. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Mary, and, and I, I really appreciate what you're, you're you're going through. And look, I have nothing against the protest. All right, now you know we've talked about the the craziness and the hatred and things like that. But if you want to march around with a sign and you want to do it on the sidewalks or you want to gather at the park or whatever, I'm fine with that. But it's when you pull these other stunts that I have an issue. But my bigger issue is with the chief of police who apparently allows this type of stuff to go on the last chief of police allowed it and this chief of police allows it and the bottom line is you can't let people sit in intersections and block freeway off ramps period case closed back with more in just a minute it's 12:25. this is jeff wagner wtmj it's 12:35. jeff wagner wtmj this is the Meat Puppets, and they're performing at the Johnson Controls World Sound Stage at 10 o'clock this evening at Summerfest. We're, of course, broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone down here at Summerfest. As I'm saying, this is... This is one of the nicest days imaginable. It's warm, but not too warm. There's a nice breeze that's off the lake. The sun is shining. Great entertainment. Lots of stuff to do. Do yourself a favor and come on down and enjoy Summerfest. And I I had an opportunity to interview Don Smiley yesterday. We had an abbreviated program. And if, if you have not, if you didn't come down here yesterday, you really got to come down to the grounds and walk around because the improvements that they have made to the grounds, the physical outlet of the grounds, is just absolutely tremendous. And, and this comes from the perspective of somebody who has been coming to Summerfest since the 1970s. I'm mean, a local kid. I grew up with Summerfest. And the capital improvements, the thing they've done with the grounds, the new stages, the new facilities that they put in, the way they've adjusted like the flow of people – it's just absolutely amazing. And if you haven't been to Summerfest in a couple of years, I would say come on down, and you're just going to be blown away by all the different things that they've put in just over the last couple of years, and especially over the last year. Next year, there's another new stage that's being rebuilt, and then two years from now, they um, renovate the amphitheater. It's just incredible what is going on here. This is really a treasure of an event, and um It's in really good hands because the people that run Milwaukee World Festivals and Summerfest, they understand that the key to having a successful festival isn't just great entertainment. Obviously, that's important, but it's also a place where people want to come. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't want to come down here today, there's something wrong with you because this is just absolutely as good as it gets. All right. Yesterday, we did not have an opportunity to discuss this because, like I say, there was an abbreviated show. But the Supreme Court 
in a 5-4 decision, came down with something that the unions had been afraid of for a long time. The court said that under the First Amendment, states could no longer compel the payment of union fees by workers who don't want to join, even if they benefit from some union activities. The court ruled that the fees are unconstitutional because they infringe upon the workers' free speech rights. Across the country, about two dozen states have laws that permit unions to require fees. Wisconsin is not one of them, with the exception of law enforcement unions have been allowed to continue to collect fees. But after the Act 10 debate, other, like teachers unions and things like that, can't compel people to pay dues. So people can voluntarily pay dues and voluntarily be members of the union, but many, many people say, you know, we, we just don't want to do this. So as a result of this, unions are now going to have to essentially sell their worth to their existing members. And what we have seen in places where the states have decided not to allow the automatic deduction of dues, we've seen lots and lots of union members becoming former union members. And that's, I think, what the concern of the National Education Association, the NEA, Teachers Union Nationwide, they say they fear losing about 200,000 members this year and maybe 100,000 more next year. So they're out there trying to recruit. But, of course, if you lose the membership, you lose access to the dues, and if you lose access to the dues, what that means is you lose a lot of potential political clout because you don't have the money that's around to, I don't know, buy the commercials and make the donations to the politicians and things like that, or run the political action committees or whatever. Okay, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Some people are predicting this is going to be the end of public employee unions, and they're saying it's going to be all doom and gloom. I don't think it's that. At the same time, I don't think it's the end of the world either, because I think people should have the right to decide if they want to join a union or not. And if they don't decide, they decide not to join the union, I don't think they should be compelled to pay dues. And one of the things the Supreme Court said is, even though... There was this structure that was out there that said that they could only be charged, they couldn't be charged the dues, the portion of the dues that went to political organizing or things like that. They said that that was impossible to figure out. But you still, if you didn't want to be associated with the union, you shouldn't have to be associated with the union. Did the court get it right? And what does this mean for the future of public employee unions? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in a moment. It's 1241. This is Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. It's 12.43. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. We are down here. It is day two of Summerfest, and it is absolutely gorgeous. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This was a decision. I don't know that it came as a surprise, but it's it's a decision that's certainly going to be a landmark decision. Yesterday, the, by a 5-4 vote, the United States Supreme Court said that employees cannot be compelled against their will to participate, to pay dues to a union. They, they can join the union if they choose to, but they don't have to. Now, there's a number of states that already have taken this particular position, Wisconsin being one, and what they've seen is that when unions have to justify their existence to their members, lots of times members end up bailing on them. 414-799-1620. Let's go to our talk and text line. In this country, we enjoy the right to free association. Joining unions should be optional. If you like your union, you can stay in your union borrowing from President Obama. Rich in Burlington text, I am so excited about this decision. Now I can use that money for my family and not pay the pockets of union leaders. What makes this different as well is there's a difference between public employee unions and private employee unions in that public employee unions mobilize to elect the officials that then negotiate their contracts so, again, you know, it's a different sort of situation. When you have a private union situ situ situation, you have the union and you have management. 
and, and they're really separate. There isn't overlap. If you look at what goes on, for example, in, let's take a local school board election. Let's look at Milwaukee. You know, you have the union-backed candidates, and you have the non-union-backed candidates. So what you end up with in a situation is where the public employees are actually electing the people who are going to be deciding what their benefits are, what their salaries are. And this has resulted, I, I think, and the Supreme Court talks about this, in a spiraling of different costs. So to me, th- this is a straightforward decision. It makes eminent sense, especially given the fact that these previous policies, which said, well, you can't charge union members, if they want to opt out of the portion that goes to political organizing, they can. But the problem with that is, first of all, it's almost impossible to determine what goes on, you know, what what goes for political organizing and what doesn't. But secondly, if if you are a member of a union, whether you're contributing full dues or not, and you disagree with the political positions the union is taking, even if you've opted out of some part of it, you're still part of that membership. And should, in this country, should people be forced to belong to groups that they don't want to belong to? And I think the answer is, you know, clearly, clearly no. Now, what I think this means is it means that the unions are going to have to justify their existence. They're going to have to sell whatever it is they offer to the members. Now, let's take teachers in Wisconsin. Um, In Dane County and to a lesser extent in Milwaukee County, in in the city of Milwaukee, NPS, they have not hemorrhaged union membership like other teacher unions across the state have. So, I mean, obviously they're convincing their membership that you get a value by participating in this. So that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to go back to the drawing board and convince people why why they provide a value and why you need them. And if they can, people decide to belong. And and that's I, I think that's absolutely fine. That's the way it should be. But you have to justify your existence. Now as I said earlier, I'm getting a couple of texts on this. One of the things that this does mean is under Act ten, fire in Wisconsin, fire and police officers, um they were their unions were not covered by Act ten. And so there was the compulsory membership. That's out the window now. So I think now, as it affects fire and police unions, for example, they're, they're going to have to justify their worth as well. 414-799-1620. Andrew, downtown. Andrew, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Okay. Uh, I'm calling because uh, with the union expenses, the apprentice program, you won't have any body to train your plumbers and your workers and we went to school for Wisconsin Electric for a year because the union paid for it. So mm-hmm. you won't have anybody to to pay for your pump to teach your plumbers and your your electricians and your uh, air conditioning people. What are you going to do about that? Well, I think Andrew, thanks for the call. I guess I mean I've got two answers. First of all, that might be one of the things that the union would do to say, hey, look, this is what we're offering to you. This is one of the benefits that we offer of unionization. You know, we're going to provide these training programs for your kids or whatever, or you really kind of owe us something because we provided that for you. It's one of the different selling points that the union has. This is what we end up offering. So uh, that's, again, if, look, I have no problem with people joining the unions, but what this means is that, you know, people can't be compelled to join join the union, so they're going to have to justify their, their existence and sell their worth, which is what people do in a free society. I mean, you make decisions with your, you make decisions all the time. Do I want to join this organization? Do I want to send my dues into the NRA or, you know, Wisconsin Right to Life or Planned Parenthood or whatever? You make decisions as to where you want to spend your money and who you want to associate with. This decision simply says that applies to unions as well. Now, one of the arguments you get from time to time is, well, this means there's going to be free riders. Um, In other words, you can get the benefits of the union because they're negotiating a collective bargaining agreement, but but at the same time, you don't have to pay for that. Well, the way the court said it, said it's, it's really, it's not so much free riders. It's more like you're getting shanghai you know, because you don't have a choice whether you want to get on that boat or not. I, I think this is an important victory for freedom. But it also, it doesn't mean the end of public employee unions. It just means, again, you've got to justify what, why whatever service you are providing 
is is worth it. I have a text here from Jeff and Apple, and it says, well, you know, Andrew talks about apprenticeships. This hasn't happened in Wisconsin. We still have apprentices, apprenticeships. Yeah, that's, I mean, that that's the case. Because if it's not the union paying for them, well, then, you know, maybe it's going to be, you know, other people that pay for them, the manufacturers, whatever. But this is, I mean, again, it's in the interest of the union to continue offering apprenticeships, for example, because that's maybe one of the ways that you continue to get union members or you sell your worth to people. 414-799-1620, Bill in Oconomowoc. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, many times I don't agree with you. This is one time I may agree with you, but you're my point of view. I, uh, many years ago, went after a certain union for financial responsibility to their membership because they weren't uh, disclosing it. Um, And I thought that was very important, and they didn't really change, but at least we found out where a lot of the money was going. Now, that being said, as much as I can agree with you, I still think unions are representation of a part of this nation that is absolutely necessary. And when we take those rights away, we diminish our democracy and work more towards the republic. Well, but let me just say this, though, uh, Bill. Nobody is saying that you that you can't have a, a union. Nobody is saying that the, the union can't continue to negotiate. All they're saying by this is that somebody can't be forced to join a union against their will. You're, you are correct. You're 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. But here's right. the point. You're changing the basic structure of the union. It's kind of like saying, well, you can have a union, but this is the only way you're going to have a union. And the reason is because you're not helping me and uh, you're detrimental to the, the people that I uh, cherish and mm-hmm. support to me. But um, the bottom line is that is part of our democracy. This is something that didn't happen yesterday. And the bottom line, as far as the unions actually causing us economic despair, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, well, well thank you for calling. But I mean, I can, I, I don't, I don't want to turn this into a debate about the the merits of of unions or or not. And again, that's gonna that, that's gonna depend on your your overall perspectives and things like that. That's not what this is about, though. To me, this is about the, the freedom. You know, you have you have unions that have certain political leanings and certain political bents. So let's say that a hundred you've got, let's say, 70% of the union, hardcore Democratic supporters or whatever, 30% are, are Republicans, all right? And, and you see what the union is doing. That 30%, they get... They get taken along. They they don't. They say, look, we don't want to be associated with, with this, but yet, you know, we are. And I guess that's where my beef comes in. It's the idea of freedom of association. Um, you've got the union that, that's there, and the union all right, has its agenda, and that's fine. What I think this is going to mean is I think now unions are going to have to figure, they're going to get smaller. There, there's no question about it. They're going to get smaller because some people are going to end up dropping off. I, I also think... That, you know, moving forward, and this is the fair flip side of this, moving forward, you know, we're going to have to wrestle with that issue of if you decide not to join the union, should you be covered by all the benefits that the union negotiates, or should you be able to maybe cut your own sort of deal? And I, I do understand that argument. They say, hey, we're negotiating these different benefits and stuff, and then everybody comes in and they get the union wage. Well, I think there's a lot of people who work for unions who believe that they could do better themselves if they weren't tied into that. But that's another question. And I do think it's fair to say moving forward, you know, when you do these collective bargaining agreements, or do you need to adjust federal labor law to say that if somebody chooses to opt out of the union, do they have to be represented by the union? And I think that is a fair point moving forward as well. It's 1253. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 12.57, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. That is Bonnie Raitt. She's opening for James Taylor and his all-star band this evening at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater down here at Summerfest. WTMJ is your one-stop shop for all things Summerfest. Today's live broadcast of The Big Gig is sponsored by Steinhoffels. All right, continuing to get a lot of text on that issue and things like, this action was just a political action done by Republicans to limit the Democratic support. Well, all right. This was actually the United States Supreme Court ruling on the constitutionality of this. But but here's the bottom line of this. Maybe if unions want to figure out a way to become 
and stay more relevant to their overall membership, maybe they shouldn't align themselves essentially as, you know, the, the, the bought and paid for mouthpieces of one particular political party. Maybe that's the mistake that the unions made. Maybe if it wasn't, gee, this is where we're going to be and it's going to be so one-sided, maybe they wouldn't be alienating as much of their membership base as they are. I'm just saying. All right, the Foxconn groundbreaking occurred about 20 minutes ago. Um, President Trump is going to be giving a speech, as we always do when sitting presidents are in southeastern Wisconsin. We're going to be carrying that speech in its entirety. It's supposed to start sometime around 1.30. We'll continue to keep you updated on that. Lots of stuff coming up, though, including... All right, the big news yesterday is Anthony Kennedy, the ninth justice of the state of the United States Supreme Court, the typical swing vote, the prototypical swing vote. He says he's stepping down. What happens now? We will discuss. It's 12:58. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Once again, we're broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sport Zone here at uh, Summerfest 2018. A number of people coming by our WTMJ broadcast studio, including a number of friends. After I get done today, I think I've got a couple friends coming down. We're going to go out and enjoy the grounds. As I was saying earlier, and it's true, it, it's amazing, if, especially if you've been if you've been going to Summerfest since there was Summerfest, and you think back on the way the grounds used to be, what was set up, and the porta potties and the mud, and then you look at the way this is set up now. It's just been amazing. And if you haven't been down to the grounds for a couple years, you will just be blown away by all the new things that, that they have. It's just incredible how the grounds have been updated, and I think that's one of the important things if you're going to preserve this legacy. I was talking to Don Smiley yesterday, the CEO of Summerfest, and you know we were just discussing all the different music festivals that have come and gone over the last you know, 30, 40, 50 years, and one of the reasons that Summerfest continues to not only just survive, but also thrive and grow, I think has been... First of all, the commitment to the music lineup, but also the commitment to the physical plant, the structures, making it fun for people to come down here. And I, I think, you know, that's what makes Summerfest what it is. All right, a quick program notice to where we're going today. President Trump is in Mount Pleasant. They've already had the groundbreaking. He is going to be speaking in just a couple minutes. We are going to carry that live. At 2.35 this afternoon, I'm going to be joined by United States Senator Ron Johnson. I want to talk to him about a number of things, perhaps most importantly, the the timetable on the U.S. Senate selecting or uh, confirming a replacement for retiring United States Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy. That's all coming up. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a moment. It's 11:11. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1:53. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Looking out on the Summerfest grounds and Lake Michigan, we're in the 620 WTMJ mobile studio. As I have been saying all day, it is a Chamber of Commerce day. Um, this is one of those days that if you live around here and it's the middle of January and you're thinking, my, my goodness, why do I live here? Well, you live here for days like today. It is absolutely perfect weather, temperature probably in the 70s or so, lots of sunshine, a nice breeze off of the lake. And we are down here at Summerfest 2018 and people are thoroughly enjoying enjoying themselves. That's James Taylor. James Taylor is going to be headlining at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater this evening. Plenty of room. Stop off and say hello like two people just did walking by. Um, we're looking forward to that. Well, uh, that was Donald Trump, and to me that speech was was classic Donald Trump. Um, I, as, as I was listening to it, you, you wonder, you, you actually, I mean, typically when you have uh, you know, a, a politician, but particularly like the president of the United States, the the appearances are extremely scripted, and you know you've got the speech on the teleprompter, and they typically stay to that. Um, I, I think with uh, President Trump, uh, if there is a teleprompter, he doesn't stick with it, and there's all sorts of asides. But the, the bottom line is, I think the, the presentation was extremely well received. Now, coming up in about ten minutes, I, I want to talk to you about the Foxconn effect because. As we move into this election season, there are some people who think 
that that Foxconn is an issue to run against Scott Walker on. I don't happen to be one of them, but you know clearly you're, you're looking at what the president was talking about, and he's discussing well, well, really the the jobs that are being created, the impact that this is having. You know, already Foxconn's announced that they, they've just let 14 million dollars in contracts to you know Wisconsin companies to go do various types of, of performance things. Now I understand there's some people out there that still say that they think that Foxconn is you know, going to ultimately be a drag on the economy. I, I don't see it working out that way. But uh, this is, I think, by any stretch of the imagination, this is just a, a really, really positive day. You have a lot of smiles around there. And for people who might not live in southeastern Wisconsin, who might say, well, you know, what, what's in it for me? Well, the bottom line is, you know, if Wisconsin does well, whether, you know, it's the Fox River Valley or whether it's Dane County or whether it's La Crosse, you know, if Wisconsin does well, you know, in a particular area, that's good for everybody. And to me, one of the great things and one of the great potentials of Foxconn is if we can somehow turn southeastern Wisconsin into this technology hub that might happen, might not. But if it does happen, how cool will that be? And maybe one of the things that that's going to do is provide opportunities for you know people who are in college now or considering going to college that say, okay, I, I don't have to go to Silicon Valley. I don't have to relocate to here or there or whatever. I can stay in Wisconsin. And that's part of the beauty and that's part of the potential. But I, I do want to talk about, and we're going to discuss this, like I say, in about the next 10 minutes or so, you know, is, is Foxconn all that it's cracked up to be? Are we going to regret Foxconn in 10 years? Like, I believe that we're going to regret the Milwaukee streetcar. If we don't regret it already, we're certainly going to regret it in 10 years. What's the future of Foxconn? And also, during the 2 o'clock hour, we'll be talking to U.S. Senator Ron Johnson about the United States Supreme Court. Lots more beyond that, including... Summerfest do's and don'ts. All of this coming up in the next hour of the show. We're live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone at Summerfest 2018. It's 157. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 210. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We are broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone here at Summerfest 2018. It is an absolutely gorgeous day. I got a chance to walk out during the break, and I tell you, this is the day. If you live in Wisconsin, you always wait for days like this. Now, now during Craig's newscast, there was something I just wanted to mention. It Paul George, who is a basketball player, plays for the Oklahoma City Thunder. The story was he is opting out of the final year of his contract to become a free agent. Right now, I just if you want to understand everything that's screwed up in this world, this this is that story. He's opting out, which means he's decided he wants out of his contract. Do you know how much money Paul George was scheduled to make this year in the final year of his contract? Well, $20.7 million. So here you have a guy who's being paid $20.7 million to play basketball, who's decided he's going to walk away from that $20.7 million that he has paid to play basketball because he thinks, and he's probably right, that there's somebody who's going to pay him even more to play basketball somewhere. $20.7 million. My guess is the vast majority of us will never make $20.7 million in our entire life adding up everything we've done. This guy was scheduled to make it in one year, and he's saying, nah, never mind, I'm giving it back. And, and, you know, we, we can argue relative worth and things like that, but it is kind of a commentary on where we are, you know, in this world and in this country in 2018, where you've got a guy that's walking away from $20.7 million to take a basketball and put it through a, a hoop, you know, for 81 games a year. Just kind of, it's, it's almost sort of mind-boggling. He said no. He turned down $20.7 million. He's probably a smart businessman to do it. There, there is... And I tell you, there is this moment, though, that you kind of shake your head and say, are we kind of out of whack in this world where you're paying a guy like Paul George, no offense to him, $20.7 million, and it's not enough. It's not enough. All right. 
Now, if you are working, or you have one, if you are one of the people, hopefully there will be about 13,000 people who end up over the next several years working at Foxconn, or maybe you'll be one of the hundreds or maybe thousands of people who work at spin-off facilities. Well, you're not going to make $20.7 million, all right? That, that's just not going to happen. But it is apparent that you're going to make a good family-sustaining wage, the type of jobs that we've been saying we need to bring um, to this country and that we need to bring to Wisconsin in general. Now, during the newscast, you heard a couple of the people, including uh, Matt Flynn, who's uh, very, very controversial. He's a retired lawyer who's running for governor. He's run for pretty much everything there is to run for, and he's lost. And he's got a lot of baggage because when he was a lawyer, he represented the uh, Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And, um, uh, well, there's some people who object to some of the things he did in order to try to help the diocese get out of its problems with the pedophile priest. So he's got that baggage. He's saying, oh, Foxconn is a terrible deal, and he's one of the leading candidates of the remaining nine Democratic candidates who's trying to run on an anti-Foxconn um, perspective. A couple other state representatives saying the same thing. If you look at and you choose to believe the most recent Marquette University Law School poll, it says that people particularly outstate are... I think pretty much ambivalent on, on Foxconn. A lot of people sitting in the Fox River Valley or in Dane County saying, well, we, we don't think it's necessarily going to benefit us. And I, I guess I sort of understand that, you know, what's in it for me category. But Foxconn is becoming a reality. Here's what I want to discuss with you. Is Foxconn, when we look five years from now, ten years from now, is Fox going to con going to be viewed? Is today going to be viewed as the day that really we started to turn around Wisconsin's economy from the perspective of turning us into a, a technology hub? I mean, is this really a groundbreaking type of day, or is today going to be viewed like the Milwaukee streetcar, I believe, is going to be viewed in five or ten years, just a colossal mistake. There's some people who are trying to make political hay saying, hey, let's run against Foxconn. We think Foxconn is going to be a bad deal. I'm not one of those, but let's discuss. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is, is Foxconn worth all the hoopla? 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. Gru is back at the studio lining up the calls. We will discuss in just a moment. It's 2.15. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, broadcasting live from Summerfest 2018. It is a gorgeous day. Stop down, plenty of room. Let's see. I have a text here. Jeff in Fox Point says, okay, Matt Flynn, man who wants to be governor, says this is the crookedest deal in Wisconsin history. Has he forgotten Tom Amitt and the pension scandal? Hmm. 414-799-1620. I understand that this, this isn't, it's interesting to me because I, I swear, if Jim Doyle had cut this deal, um, and this had been 12 years ago, and Jim Doyle had cut this deal, no question in my mind that every Democrat in the state legislature who voted against this would have voted for it, but now, oh, this is going to be absolutely terrible. I think that's incredibly short-sighted, and I don't think that's going to play out this way. Let's talk to Chuck in Milwaukee. Chuck, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Well, you Hi, just stole my thunder again because if you, can you imagine if Barack Obama would have marshaled some kind of deal like this with a Democrat governor, you think we as bootlicking would be nauseating. <laughs> you, know, right, well. Flynn, <laughs> you, you know that Matt Flynn and uh, Evers and all these guys aren't that stupid. They know this is a good idea. No, I, I, Chuck. Thanks, thanks for calling. They, they do, and and I think that this what's here's what's going on. Let's let's be realistic here. Um, Walker is is popular, and what's happening is, and I understand. I mean, you know, he he get he's going to get reelected. I think with fifty two, fifty three, fifty four percent of the vote in there. What's going on now is you've got. Wisconsin is really doing well. Uh, essentially, we're at full employment. That's just the reality. All the stuff with Act 10 has led to budget surpluses. That money's getting poured back into education, so you can't run on that issue. People are working. Um, the economy is going great guns. So we're trolling around trying to come up with a couple issues. And, and one of the things is they look at some of these polls and they say, Foxconn, Foxconn, Foxconn. Okay, let's let's try to run on Foxconn, and let's try to argue that this is, ends up being a bad deal. Now, now, number one, 
uh, again, as we were just discussing, I, I think this is a situation where if this is something that the, had been done 10 years ago, you would have had every Democrat in the state legislature voting for it and applauding because these have, are the types of jobs that we have been talking about wanting to bring to Wisconsin for years and years and years. And you're now in this position of trying to root against the success of this state. And that's a bad place for anybody to be. But when you're grasping at straws politically, this is it. Now, it might be. Maybe it's going to turn out that 10 years from now, you look back at this and Foxconn isn't able to deliver, that Foxconn is pulled back, that the jobs haven't materialized. Of course, in that case, what's going to happen at the same time is you're not going to have as much of an outlay of government expenditures. Here's what's going on thus far, though. You know, you've had Foxconn, which is investing tens of millions of dollars in the infrastructure of building that plant. How is that plant getting built? Well, let me tell you, they are hiring Wisconsin companies. Now, some are from out of state as well, but they're hiring Wisconsin companies to build those facilities. They just announced a couple days ago another $14 million in contracts that are going to local companies in order to help construct this. This is all a good, good thing. You know, maybe it's going to turn out ultimately that those 13,000 jobs aren't going to materialize, but at, at the same time, at the same time, this is, it's a step in the right direction. Let's talk to Larry and Shawno. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hi, Hi Larry. Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Well, you know, I think Foxconn is one of the best moves for the state of Wisconsin in, in years to come. I mean, I've... I've talked to a lot. Oh, Larry, of hey, wait a second, here. Larry. You're up. You're up in Shawano. You know, I, I'm being told that nobody outside of southeastern Wisconsin thinks Foxconn's a good idea. I mean, but but you up in Shawano, you like it, huh? Well, yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. But I talked mm-hmm. to a lot of people up here in Shawano and, and in the Marathon County, Shawano County, and Brown County areas, and they think it's a terrible idea. And I, I tried to defend it. How can it be? How can it be bad for the state? How can it be bad for anything? Because all it's going to do is improve the economy, bring things back. And there's a well, the pollution, the, the tax, the taxes it's going to generate on the state, yeah. and everything that we have to put out for this company. And people aren't going to make a living wage working for them, and they're not well, right. going to hey. have the jobs that they that they promised. Well, I mean, thanks for calling, Larry. I mean, I mean, here, here's the thing. I mean, this is maybe it's going to turn out that this isn't going to develop as it is. But I mean, right now you're seeing a big impact. Uh, we've got some breaking news. Let me go to our breaking news center. Here's Eric Bilstadt. Yes, thank you, Jeff. We are following a story out of Annapolis, Maryland. Breaking news there. Several people shot at the Capital Gazette newspaper. This is a very fluid situation, a shooting at the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland. Let's get the latest from ABC. This is a special report from ABC News. I'm Aaron Katursky. Reports of a shooting in Annapolis, Maryland. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms and police in Anne Arundel County, Maryland, have said they are responding to the Capitol Gazette newspaper building where there have been reports of shots fired. The extent of the shooting is not immediately clear, nor are the injuries or deaths, but police and the ATF are now responding to the Capitol Gazette building, a newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland, on reports of a shooting. I'm Aaron Katursky. This has been a special report from ABC News. Of course, we'll have much more as the day proceeds. Jeff, thank you very much. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, boy, when it rains, it pours. Uh, breaking news here, there. They're reporting a shooting at the Capitol Gazette in, in Annapolis, Maryland. My mom was uh, from Annapolis. Um, that's a paper that's owned by the Baltimore Sun. We will continue to keep you posted. Right now, we're talking about Foxconn, and we're broadcasting live from Summerfest. Deb in West Bend. Hi, Deb. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. You know, I'm, I'm kind of baffled by you, what you're saying, because... We're talking jobs five, ten years from now, and these jobs will require high-tech people, um, engineers, obviously, things like that. What about today's economy? Um, we've got places saying we're hiring, we're hiring, but it's minimum wage jobs. We're now talking about the baby boomers that are trying to make make um, a living. And now, so what is it going to do for the people today? If our economy falls today, 
Foxconn isn't going to do anything for us. Well, well, for, well, first of all, Deb, first of all, I mean, I, I, when I say five to ten years, that's their full 13,000 jobs. I mean, Foxconn is going to be up and run. I mean, right now they're employing people to do the construction work to build it. So you've got lots of the construction workers and stuff. They're, they've got their jobs. Foxconn will probably be up and running, not with 13,000 jobs, but, you know, with a couple thousand right away. But I get, and also in Wisconsin right now, one of the big questions is where are you going to get the workers in the first place? Because we're pretty much at, at full employment right now. So I, I think the, the actually the, the issue is the opposite of what you're talking about. It's not what do you do for people now. It, it's where are we going to get the people because everybody that wants a job now has a job now. No, I it just, I mean, you know, these figures come from people in Washington that you're not, they're not living in the real world. I don't know where they get these statistics from when we have different, uh, like errands, uh, clothing and, mm-hmm. uh, another place, I can't remember which company. They're, they're all closing down. They're leaving Wisconsin. So I don't know. We're not, we're not looking at the regular normal people here. In Boston what? store closing. Yep, I mean, I, right, and things. Deb, thanks for calling. Look, I, there, there, there's clearly a transition. All, all I know is that you, you have companies that close, and, and I get it. That's why. That's why you need companies like Foxconn to come in to replace those sort of jobs, or you need companies like Foxconn to come in and spend tens of millions of dollars. Okay, hiring construction firms that are going to build the plants. That, that's why you need that because you are going to have, for example, like the old line retailers, Boston store that, that end up, you know, going out, out of business. So you need to be bringing in these new uh, jobs that are going to be there. Now, are we going to get the 13,000 jobs right away? No, of course not. But that's what the build up and that's what the ramp up to this type of thing is. And the choice is if you don't do this, the choice is you're just going to, again, lose jobs. But right now in Wisconsin, we're pretty much in a full economy. It doesn't get much better from an economic perspective than it is now. And I guess I just look at Foxconn as being kind of the cherry on the cake. Um, all right, we've got breaking news. We're going to be talking to Senator Ron Johnson in just a couple minutes, so stick around. It's 2.36, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're broadcasting live from Summerfest 2018. That is, of course, James Taylor, who is going to be the headliner at the American Family Insurance Amphitheater this evening. It is just an absolutely gorgeous day. Plenty of room. Come on down and say hi. It has been an amazing, an amazing few days. Um, No shortage of news. This is not the dog days of summer, that's for sure. And a gentleman who's kind of at the center of a lot of stuff is the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator Johnson, good afternoon. Well, Jeff, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm down here at the lakefront at Summerfest. You're you're in Washington D.C. now, right? Yeah, don't don't rub it in. Yeah, we're (laughs) just hit a snag on the on the farm bill, so I walked back from the floor. So I'm not sure where that's going, but uh, I'm I'm stuck here in Washington D.C. Yep. Um, okay, well, well, let's start, Senator. The I, I think perhaps the the biggest news yesterday was Justice Anthony Kennedy announcing that he is going to step down. He's going to be retiring. President Trump says that he he's going to be making an appointment sometime soon. Is is the is the Trump appointment whoever that might be? Is there going to be a confirmation hearing? Is confirmation going to get done before the November elections? Well, we listened to Leader McConnell and and Chairman Grassley at lunch today, and. You know, based on their assurances, I would say yes. Um, we're going to take our time. We're going to go through the process. Uh, there will be hearings and, and then uh, a vote on the Senate floor. And if uh, it's any kind of nomination, as the, the judges that uh, President Trump has been putting before the Senate, uh, this individual should be confirmed easily because what President Trump is doing is he's nominating judges. Uh, not not super legislators, not judicial activists, but judges. People, as Neil Gorch has said, uh, are there to apply the law, uh, not alter it. You know, some, somebody with a little, little judicial modesty, recognizing their role in you know the third article of the Constitution, which is really to be a judge, not to be a super legislator. So, you know, President Trump has been very transparent versus a candidate. You know, laying, you know, laying out the list of potential candidates for the Supreme Court, and he, he's picked a number of those individuals for circuit courts as well. So uh, it was right out there as he ran, and he continues to, to offer that list. He's added a few names, but he's told us he's going to pick off that list, and those are all highly qualified individuals. 
Now, Senator Johnson, some of your colleagues on the other side of the aisle would say, wait, wait a second. Um, when Republicans controlled the Senate um, and President Obama wanted to send an appointment up, the Republicans didn't give him a vote saying, hey, we have to wait till after the election. Um, what is different now? Um, again, you, you've got an election coming up in, in November. Well, a number of things. First of all, that was a presidential election. Uh, the seat that was vacated was a conservative justice, and it would have been replaced by a liberal progressive president, um, and it would have cha- totally changed the composition of the court. So Neil Gorsuch replaced Justice Scalia. There, there was no ideological change in the court. And even in this case, this is a, uh, Kennedy was the appointment after Robert Bork was borked. So I was a Reagan appointee, and we'll be replacing uh, Justice Kennedy, who you know, we certainly wish him well as a retirement, we'll replace him with a, a Trump appointee. So again, you're really not changing the composition of the court. Uh, from my standpoint, I hope we get a, a slightly more conservative, maybe dramatically more conservative justice than uh, Justice Kennedy. Although, uh, Justice Kennedy, I was listening to a report, about 80% of the time voted in, in uh, uh agreement with uh, the other conservative justice on the court. So uh, I, I'd like one that's a little bit more consistently conservative. Just one more question on that, Senator. It's, it's one of the, the hundred members of the U.S. Senate who have the, the, the role of advice and consent. What are some of the things that you look for in deciding not just the justice of the Supreme Court, but an appellate court judge or a district court judge? What are some of the characteristics that you look for when you are exercising that, that role of advice and consent? It's really very simple. I'm looking for a judge. I'm, I'm looking for someone with, that has the modesty, modesty to remain a judge. The, the little, you know, Neil Gorsuch could not have put it better. Someone who is going to apply the law, not alter it, not, not make judgments and, and the decrees based on what that individual wants as the outcome just on his own personal political beliefs, but somebody who is constrained by the Constitution and constrained by what the letter of the law actually reads. And in, in doing so, by the way, Jeff, there's plenty of bad law that I don't agree with, but it's the law of the land, and so I'm expecting the judges to actually rule based on that law. If I don't like the outcome, then as a legislator, it would be my job to try and get that law changed, but I'm not looking to change the law through the judicial uh, branch. That's what liberals like. I mean, that's, what, that's why progressives put so much stock in these court appointments because they literally are looking for super legislators. That's how they get their policies passed through the judicial branch that they can't get passed uh, really through elections and through the legislative branch. Uh, I want judges to be judges. Um, we're talking to senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Senator, um, one of the brush fires that's developed in the last couple of days has surrounded the issue of tariffs. Harley Davidson, of course, a, a great you know Wisconsin, a great Milwaukee company, announcing that in response to some of these tariffs, they might be so- shifting some production overseas. And President Trump, of course, responding um, with some critical remarks about Harley. First of all, let's just reiterate, where do you stand on the whole question of a trade war and the, the, these tariffs? Is this the way to go? Well, I've been quite clear. I, I truly do not believe anyone wins a trade war. It may be true we may lose less, but I think everybody's losers. Uh, we really do want f- free, fair, and I think the term that President Trump has really introduced appropriately is reciprocal. We, we should be demanding reciprocal treatment. We certainly should be looking at China as the, the number one problem, uh, the, the number one uh, country that does not follow the, the rules, but the best way to get China to follow the rules would be present a united front to the rest of the trading world and demand that China uh, start following the rules. So I, I, don't, I, don't, I have great concerns with this president's negotiating strategy, and you know I've got a great deal of sympathy for Harley-Davidson. They, they, if they don't respond, they will be priced out of these export markets, which have been a huge... A factor in their ongoing success. Um, if they can't, if they can't produce in America and export their products and do it for markets that are open, if they don't have competitive prices, they're really forced to start manufacturing overseas to address those markets. Um, that's just basic economics. And uh, you know, unfortunately, I'm hearing from so many different country, companies in Wisconsin. You know, we're a big manufacturing state. We use a lot of steel. We use a lot of aluminum. The prices are increasing. And I, I talked to uh, one woman owner of a business, about a $50 million manufacturing business, literally told me, Senator, if this isn't fixed, if, if we don't come to agreement soon, I'm out of business in three months. 
a $50 million business she's been building for years, she is out of business permanently in about three months. That, so you know, I've, I've heard this administration say long, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain. This short-term pain could be permanent. And, of course, Senator, we're not even talking about the impact on, on Wisconsin agriculture, the, the exports of soybeans and cranberries and all that sort of stuff. No, and let's face it, the, you know, our trading partners who are retaliating against these uh, generalized steel and, and aluminum tariffs, they're, they're being very intelligent in terms of where they're, you know, what companies and what states they're targeting. And, you know, Wisconsin's being targeted. It's a state that uh, Trump won. It's, uh, it houses, it obviously, uh, is represented by the Speaker of the House, uh, so they're targeting Harley, they're targeting Cranberry, they're targeting ginseng, uh, but also in Kentucky they're targeting bourbon. Uh, that's not a mistake. They're, they're, they're going to be pretty smart. They're going to extract as much pain as possible. And particularly when it comes to agricultural products, some of these orders are being lost and they'll also be lost permanently as these trading relationships and supply relationships are, are changed permanently. So, again, this, 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 there may be a long-term gain. There, there, you know, again, I... There are trading abuses that want to be that need to be corrected, but a lot of this short-term pain the president re- re- talks about about being patient with, it's it could be permanent. A lot of it will be permanent. So what's the end game here? <laughs> if you look at your crystal ball, what's the end game? Well, I, I'm hoping we see end game soon, but uh, I, I really don't know. I, I really can't answer that question. That's what gives me a great deal of concern. Fair enough. Senator, of course, the, the, the other big local news today is the opening of the Foxconn plant, President uh, Trump in Mount Pleasant, big uh, groundbreaking thing. When we look back on today, five years from now or ten years from now, is this going to be a huge success for the state? I, I certainly hope so. Uh, this is a manufacturing capability that should be in America. Uh, we are the customer. Again, what, what makes America so attractive to manufacturing interest is we're the world's largest customer, and manufacturers want to be close to customers. As long as you have a reasonable regulatory environment and a competitive tax system, that should be the case. And so we ought to utilize that primary benefit of America to attract manufacturers and really not engage in trade wars. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, you do have to offer incentives. Uh, The incentives that have been offered are are going to be performance-based, but there's going to be so many Side benefits. I mean, not only the direct jobs and the direct dollars flowing into Foxconn and into, uh, you know, eventually state coffers in terms of taxation, federal coffers, but all the indirect jobs to their, their suppliers as well. So this is something I think is really going to be important for America to have that kind of, that type of manufacturing capability, but also for Wisconsin. Senator Johnson, I know you're extremely busy, but I, I, I did want to ask you, one of the other stories that's been breaking over the course of the last several days has been the, the, the rise of what I'm going to describe as, as incivility. The, you, know, you now have a member of Congress, uh, that, uh, of the House, calling on opponents of President Trump to uh, identify supporters or employees of the administration and, and confront them and harass them in public places. Um, I, I understand politics isn't beanbag, but what, how do you you react to that as somebody who's sort of in the middle of this in Washington, D.C. on a daily basis? Remember, just a year ago, the Steve Scalise was gunned down. Uh, you know, fortunately, he survived and, and recovered. But uh, again, that, that's all part of this uh, uncivil discourse. Uh, I hate demagoguery. I hate rhetoric. I'm on both sides of the political spectrum, and we have it on both sides of the political, uh, political spectrum, we ought to tone it down. We, we ought to respectfully uh, disagree. And what we ought to really do is tenaciously pursue areas of agreement. And, Jeff, you've heard me say this. We all share the same goal. We want a safe, prosperous, secure America. Now, we obviously disagree on how to achieve that prosperity, that safety, that security. But it is not worth threatening people over the disagreements on how to achieve a goal we all definitely agree on. And one, one final question, Senator, before I, I, I let you go. Immigration, been in the news, um, lots of consternation about zero tolerance and separating children. Where, where are we now and where do we need to be, in your opinion? Well, one thing Washington, D.C. does not do a very good job of is solve a problem. You know, I'm, I'm Chairman of Homeland Security. We've held more than two dozen hearings on some aspect of border security. In many of those hearings, what I've done is I've just laid out the laws that have been passed since Reagan's uh, immigration reform in, in 1986. And then alongside those laws, I just list the number of people in this country illegally, and it goes from 3.5 to 6 to 9 to 10 to 11 to 12. We've never solved the problem. 
Yeah, one, one of the statistics I've been quoting is because of DACA, that was the spark. It doesn't apply to these people, but it sparked it. It was the catalyst. But in 2012, we, we've had more than 200,000 unaccompanied children from Central America come to this country illegally. And we've also had, uh, in terms of numbers, probably over a million people coming here in family units. You know, so, I mean, in total with, with the unaccompanied children. Probably about 1, 1.2 million people coming here just since 2012. And we really have very little capability of sending them back. We're, we have 700,000 backlog cases in our immigration courts. Uh, we have been overwhelmed. We don't have the capacity to dealing with this. And in Washington, D.C., we don't apparently have the capacity of really addressing the specific root causes and really accomplish the goal that we should have is reducing the flow of people seeking to come to this country illegally. It needs to be a legal process. And it's very disappointing that we really can't concentrate on facts and figures and root cause analysis, problem definition, and actually come up with a a true problem-solving process here. Senator Johnson, thanks so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. I very much appreciate it. And uh, get back to Milwaukee soon. Weather's great here in Wisconsin. Hope to get back tonight, but got to finish off the farm bill. Take care. (laughs) Take, Take care. Senator Ron Johnson, this is Jeff Wagner. It's 249. It's 2.52, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Once again, we're broadcasting live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Special thanks to Senator Ron Johnson for spending some time talking about the, these various issues. And, um, I, again, I, I think Senator Johnson's just got it exactly right when we talk about issues, you know, like tariffs and things of the like. Um, it's just I don't see how Wisconsin wins. All right, we have reached that point where I'm getting ready to turn it over to Wisconsin's Afternoon News. John McCure, Melissa Barkley, it's been a pleasure being down here at Summer. Summerfest. I'm off tomorrow, but I will be back. Um, we'll be broadcasting live from Summerfest several days uh, next week. A lot of great stuff going on. Tremendous weather. Let's take a quick break. It's 2.53. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa and Greg, who's with me down at Summerfest, have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.